The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. T. It is me, your host. I am so excited to be back with you all again, and I appreciate you rocking with me through these solo episodes during the month of May. You know, May continues to be Mental Health Awareness Month, and we have dedicated all of our episodes this month connected to entrepreneurs getting into therapy, the specifics around it. And so I've been... um, pooling some of the questions that I get when I speak to folks either in groups or privately or people send me messages or all sorts of things and that is the nature behind these episodes for this month. So we've talked about so far how to find a therapist, the process of you know do I go through a directory, do I get information from my insurance, do I do a google search, Um, what sort of things are important when looking for a therapist, and then last uh, last week, last episode, we talked about how to finance therapy. How do you pay for it? Because that's really important. You can want to do something all you want to, but if you don't have the resources to make it happen, then it makes it really hard to actually make the thing happen. So we talked about that, ways in which you can finance and pay for therapy. Um, some things that you might have already known, some things that might have been completely new to you. And this week... We're going to talk about what happens during that first appointment, what to expect. Okay, so let's get into it. So, so far, you've done a lot of work. You you have, you know, researched um, your therapist. You know, perhaps you have, you know, read their, their profile. You've gone to their website. You might even checked out their social media pages. You have um, verified how you're going to pay for, pay for services you have even made contact with this person um, and have an appointment scheduled. So now it's maybe a few days away and you're about to go to that first appointment. What in the world, right? Well, first of all, if you've made it this far, congratulations, right? There's so many points along this process where you could have said, forget this. <laughs> this is too much. It's too convoluted. I'm walking away from it all. So if you made it to this point, and you are waiting for your appointments to come, then you are at a good spot. You're staying the course. And so I want to congratulate you for that. So this is what might be going on for you in terms of what should happen between now and this first appointment. So usually as therapists have some level of appointment reminder in place. So usually about... A couple days in advance, sometimes 24 hours in advance, you'll get some type of appointment reminder. So that might be a text, it might be an email, um, but some sort of uh, indication that you will, you know, that your appointment is coming. Now, when you've had the, the conversation to schedule your appointment, it probably was told to you about paperwork. So just like when you go to your physician's office for the first time, or you haven't been in a while, You have to fill out some paperwork. The same holds true for us. You need to fill out some paperwork. 
Okay, so let's talk about the paperwork, right? <laughs> so every therapist gets to create their own initial appointment package of paperwork. But there are some things that are that are most likely true across all therapists. So for the first part is you will have to fill out an informed consent. So an informed consent is a document that is saying, I am agreeing to participate in counseling services. I give my consent to participate in treatment. So in the informed consent, you'll find lots of information. It'll talk about limits of confidentiality. So when you go to a therapist, when you go to a licensed mental health professional, and you are actively participating in treatment, all things that you talk about are confidential, meaning they stay between the two of you. It gets a little trickier when you're going for couples counseling, a little more trickier if it's family, and a little more trickier if it's group counseling. But still, the, the essence of it remains the same. Everything that you all talk about stays in the room with the people in the room. There are some exceptions to that, right? So if someone comes into my office, if a, if a new client comes into my office or a, a continuing client comes into my office, and they talk about wanting to hurt themselves. So if they are having any suicidal ideation, that's usually how that's phrased, then it requires me to do some further exploration. And in that exploration, if I find out that not only have they thought about wanting to hurt themselves, but they have a plan as to how they're going to do it, and they have intent, meaning they very well intend to leave this office or leave this appointment and carry out this plan, and they have a, and a way to make it happen, we call it means, we, they have a way to make it happen, then it is my duty to create some barriers to that and to stop that. So I will need to pull people in. So this is a break in confidentiality. I will need to pull people in to ensure that my client is safe, or at least the best to the best of my ability. So if someone talks about wanting to hurt themselves, then we have to break confidentiality. If somebody talks about wanting to hurt someone else, so if you come in and you say, the next time I see them, I'm going to run them over with a car, right? So we've all said, so that's a homicide ideation. We've all said things like, I'm going to punch them on sight, right? Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to harm, do some deadly harm to them in some way, right? I'm going to shoot them. I'm going to punch them. Well, punch is not deadly harm. Uh, but you get my point. So if you, if you make a threat um, against someone's life, Again, there are further questions that need to be asked at that point. And if after asking those questions, it is determined that we are able to identify who you are intending to harm, how you have a plan to do so, and you have the, uh, the means to do so, then as a therapist, it is our job to ensure that that person is safe, which means, again, we have to break confidentiality. So if someone talks about wanting to hurt themselves, wanting to hurt someone else, or feels like someone's trying to hurt them. So if they are in a situation where an example could be an abusive relationship um, and they are concerned that their abuser might have followed them to the, the therapy office or might be waiting for them in a waiting room or whatever. So if there is an issue of their safety, then again, this is another instance where the therapist would need to make some moves to ensure that this person it's safe, and that usually means getting other systems involved. So that could mean um, the police. It could mean 
the hospital. It could mean some other emergency response, but we would need to get another institution or system involved to ensure your safety. So outside of those things, things are confidential. And another caveat to that, right, is we are considered to be mandated reporters. So if you report any ongoing child abuse, so if you happen to uh, mention, yeah, if you mention any ongoing child abuse, so, you know, you are abusing a child or someone in the household is abusing a child, um, then we, we have to report that. We have to report that child abuse. If, you, if we learn of any uh, current abuse of um, an elder, an elderly person, um, or um, a person with disability. So those people, these are people we consider to be most vulnerable in our population. If we learn that they're being mistreated or abused in any way, then we would need to um, do the appropriate reports, either with uh, CPS or Adult Protective Services. But as a therapist, that would be something that we would need to do. And... <laughs> The last point, if there happens to be any legal involvement, so you're coming in and there's legal involvement, there's any active court cases, um, or you anticipate there being any court cases, and a judge finds out that you have been involved in therapy, it could be that the judge mandates us as therapists to provide them with information regarding your treatment. That could, that could happen. So that would be... Then another instance in which we would have to break confidentiality. So ultimately, if there's any if there's any question of safety, then those are usually the guidelines in which we would have to break confidentiality. And in the way in which I operate, and there have been some moments as a therapist that in which I've had to do some of those things, and I have informed the client every beat of the way. So usually I can sometimes I can anticipate what is about to be said or what, where this is going. Um, and we talk about it. If that, if, if that information has been revealed to me, I review the limits of confidentiality again and then talk about what I now need to do since I know this information and then start to do that stuff. I don't do those things behind the client's back. They are well aware of what's happening. That's the last thing I need to do is create another surprise situation um, in, in a sense like this. So, limits of confidentiality will be discussed um, in your initial intake session and probably will happen again and again um, just so that you're, you're aware. So, the informed consent will talk about limits to the confidentiality. It'll talk about confidentiality. It'll talk about um, record keeping, um, how your records are kept. I suspect, uh, given the state that we're in now, that most records are being kept or a good chunk of Therapists are doing their records electronically in some, some form or fashion. It will talk about how to best make contact with a therapist, um, if you need to cancel or reschedule. So like the policies and procedures of the office, there's usually probably a best way to contact them, whether that's by text, email, or phone. Um, if there's a late cancellation, late rescheduling fee, that information is provided. Um, you also will probably get a HIPAA document um, which is talks about your rights as a client. Um, the HIPAA document is the same document that you would get, um, or a very similar docu document that you get at your, you know, your physician's office. 
So you get kind of like the contractual information connected to being uh, in therapy. That's essentially what the informed consent and all those documents are. You probably will also need to, or you will also need to verify your identity in some way. Um, and so a therapist might ask you to provide um, some demographic information. They might ask for a copy of your um, identification. So whether that's military ID or driver's license, um, if you are doing telehealth, they might ask you to verify that ID by holding up your license or tell me your name and date of birth, but some sort of way so that we know that the person that is on our schedule is the person that we're talking to um, is, is going to be really important. So that'll happen. If you are doing telehealth again, um, you probably will also need to establish a password. Um, and so that, <clears throat> that password is used for a point of safety. Um, and verification. So if the therapist happens to witness something in the background or maybe overhear something that might be alarming, that password can help the therapist know, hey, I need help. Um, and so, you know, we would have you, you know, of course, ask you that question, like, are you okay? You know, say the password if you're feeling safe or say the password if you're in danger, that sort of thing that will help us um enact in some sort of way to to ensure your safety and yeah there'll be there'll be tons of paperwork there'll be a demographic form where you fill out your you know your name address and whatever your form of payment is whether that's your insurance or self-pay or whatever all those things are taken care of so you get lots of documents um and ideally in the initial appointment so you would have gotten those documents prior to the actual appointment in most cases um and it could mean that you're actually doing it in the waiting room. So, you know, if you happen to be sitting with your, your therapist face-to-face, -face, then you might get those documents, you know, a few minutes before your appointment start, or, you know, on a clipboard um, in that sort of way. If you're doing it electronically, telehealth, then oftentimes you've been sent some email um, with access to those documents to fill out so that the therapist will have them ahead of time, right? So paperwork is a big thing that is going to be a part of the preparation process. That's a lot of P's, y'all. Preparation process before your appointment. That's the first thing I want you to to just, just gear up for. You're going to be signing your name and date a lot of times. You're going to be saying, yes, I agree to. No, I don't agree to a lot of times. So just be prepared for that. The other part is when you actually do the appointment, so when you're face-to-face -face with your therapist, um, whether that's in person or, or by telehealth, that first initial appointment is going to kind of feel like an interview. It's going to feel like an interview in that there are being questions asked about different parts of your life. Um, so that'll be like a medical part of your life. If you've done any previous therapy before, you know, a family history, your work history, relationship history, um, how, you know, your support system, you taking care of yourself, are you um, enrolled in school, are you in the military? So all these different parts of your life, uh, is there any history of trauma, those types of things. And the idea for that is to get as large a snapshot as possible of what's going on for you right now. So this person that has just walked into this appointment, these are all the things that are happening for them right now and how they kind of piece together. And as a therapist, we get to kind of fully understand 
more about your presenting problems, right? So you you decided to participate in counseling for a reason. And as we ask you all these background questions, it kind of helps us have more context as to what might be going on with this, your initial problem or the thing that you wanted to work on. So I'm I'm telling you that it's going to feel like an interview so that, you know, you don't necessarily feel annoyed by the the series of questions. I make sure I tell each of my clients in that first appointment that this is going to feel like an interview. And again, it's because we're trying to get a, a lot of information in, in a short amount of time. Every session won't feel like that, but the initial session is is really a lot of information gathering. There's often a point in which there is a lot of exploration around what prompted you to call, what prompted you to start services, as well as any goals that you might have for treatment. So what are the things that you want to look differently? When this problem is done, what will be different in your life? Or how will your life be? What sort of things do you want to be better in your life? Those are just example types of questions. But the goal, the end goal is going to be really important for both you and your therapist to be clear about so that you'll know when you're making progress. Because if the goal is to be happy, that's quite vague. And happiness looks like different things for different folks. For one person, happiness might mean an influx of money. (laughs) For another person, happiness could mean healthier communication with their partner. For another person, happiness might mean making good grades in their uh, this semester in college, right? So happiness can look all sorts of sorts of ways, and so getting an idea of more about your goal is going to be part of that initial initial process and conversation and appointment. What I want you to remember most, right? So every th- again, every therapist has their own way to bring you into. Um, their practice. They're, they have their own way, but it'll look some combination of these things that I'm saying. Um, also, be prepared to, you know, arrive to your appointment a few minutes early, whether that's, you know, you having to physically travel to the appointment or even having to log on digitally, making sure, so even if it's digital, you don't have to do the travel, just making sure you're you're on the correct browser, you know, Chrome versus Internet Explorer, um, making sure you have all your paperwork uploaded, um, all those types of things. Um, so, you know, give yourself about five to ten minutes uh, to to be ready um, for your appointment prior to the appointment time. Because every now and again, there'll be a little uh, hiccup. And so if you give yourself the time, then you won't have to, it won't bleed into your appointment time. So... If you don't hear anything else I've said, because I've kind of talked for 20 minutes about some of this stuff, (laughs) know that that initial appointment, what to expect in that that first appointment with your therapist is there's going to be some paperwork. There are going to be a lot of questions. And it's really a get-to-know-you opportunity for you to get to know this therapist and for the therapist to get to know you. This appointment gives you both an opportunity to determine if this is going to be a really good or an effective working relationship. Sometimes as therapists, we're able to tell in that first appointment, like, I actually think this is going to work out really well. I can tell by, you know, whatever indicators that this is going to be good. 
Um, and for, for the client, sometimes they also can tell. Um, like, I feel really comfortable, even though I had to talk about some stuff I hadn't talked about before, or it's really hard to admit I was able to do that. And um, so I feel like I can continue to do those things when I see you next time. So pay attention to what is going on for you um, when you're when you're sitting with that person, whether that's, you know, physically or digitally. Now, sometimes you might walk out of an appointment and you're not quite able to tell. You don't feel like you need to run away from the therapist necessarily, but it doesn't feel like ah, I found my therapist. You know, you're just not quite sure. So in those cases, I, I say let's institute the rule of three. So give it a, you know, give it three shots, give it three sessions to determine if this is a good fit, if you as a client are unsure. And I would bring those issues and concerns up with your therapist. They might also be trying to figure out something as well. Like maybe this person was quite anxious for whatever reason that was either connected to this and maybe they weren't connected to this. But bring that up. Have that conversation with the person that you have chosen to work with and see if you all are able to come to a different understanding so that you feel more comfortable. And if not, there is no shame in divorcing your therapist. And so I've had to have that conversation, whether that was on my end, not feeling as though it was a good fit, because that's the other piece too, is therapists, we also get to determine that if it's not a good fit, as well as the client telling me that they didn't feel like it was a good fit. And you know what? I agree with them when they brought it up. I agreed. And so we talked about that and talked about what the needs are. Um, and I was able to provide them with some information around therapists that I thought would meet their needs based on these specific things. And so they didn't have to go back to the drawing board in terms of like going to Google or calling their insurance. They now had tangible names and numbers or contact information of folks that they could uh, reach out to. And as a therapist, I also could give these fellow therapists kind of a heads up. Like, hey, I just referred somebody your way, so be on the lookout, that sort of thing. So, worst case scenario, you go through this whole appointment and you don't feel comfortable. But you have walked out of that appointment with some additional names and numbers of people that might work really well for you given your circumstance. If that's the worst case scenario, then I think you've won. So I hope this information is helpful. The first appointment can usually just feel really uncomfortable because you're both trying to get your bearings. But hopefully by the end of that appointment, you feel a little more assured that this, is, this was a good move. Um, you feel confident in your choice. And you feel like you're working with a competent professional. And again, I'm going to remind you all, if you all have any questions, concerns about anything that I'm mentioning in these episodes about therapy, um, please reach out to me. And I am planning to um, do a webinar at the end of the month about this whole process of getting connected to therapy. As those details become solidified, I will I'll be posting those on my social media platforms. Okay, until next time. Hey family, one quick thing before we wrap up this episode is I need to talk to you about our new partnership with BetterHelp.com. So BetterHelp is an online counseling platform and their mission is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. 
And you know, that is what we are here to do is to get more black entrepreneurs connected to therapy. So if you want to start, then all you need to do is complete a brief questionnaire that helps them provide to you appropriate referrals for a therapist. So licensed mental health professionals. You might be really curious about the pricing where there is a monthly uh, subscription that you would pay versus paying per session that you might typically do in a therapy situation. But with this subscription, you get unlimited messaging. So that's by email or by text, as well as one session per week. So that's either by phone or video with your therapist. There are some financial aid options for those of us who might need it and you qualify for financial aid based on your income. So I have been provided with a personalized code that will allow you to get a 20% discount on these services. So if you want to learn more, if you want to even sign up, um, you can visit the personalized link, which is betterhelp.com backslash Dr. Janae. So I will include this link in the show notes so that you can get your 20% discount and get connected to therapy. All right, y'all. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, family. We appreciate you listening. We need you to do us a favor. We need you to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, join us and following the movement on our website at mindingmyblackbusiness.com. There you can find uh, Minding My Black Business merchandise, and you can also find our digital academy. Now, our academy is the place where we are looking to expand our resources, particularly emotional wellness resources for black entrepreneurs. And we already have worksheets there, and we have more resources to come. You can follow us on our social media platforms. On Twitter, we are Minding My Black Biz. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. And on Facebook, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. So peace and blessings to us all. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, don't forget to tell them, I'm minding my black business.